Skill. Confederate ship 
sailed into Union waters uh, with him, his family, and his and his crew's family. And they, they, they're like Moses doing reconstruction in South Carolina and Buford, South Carolina. All right. <laughs> I mean, that, that to be born into slavery and to uh, and to believe such a life uh, is quite remarkable. Robert Small. You know, we don't we, we talk about somebody in history books that we should know. I mean, a publisher, a politician, pilot, a marine, a maritime pilot, you know, businessman. You know, again, coming out of slavery mm-hmm. and, and people telling you that uh, things have gotten better. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, it's, it's not where you, it's not where you, you start, it's where you end. And that progression is phenomenal. Uh, again, so that was uh, 1861 uh, this week. Uh, also this week, uh, the bombing of Move. Right? So uh, that's the Move movement out of Philadelphia. Um, they were a black nationalist separatist group. You know, they had a compound uh, in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, um, the cops came in there, guns are blazing, dropping bombs in the sky. You know, um, and then I think they used the bodies in, 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 in scientific experiments without family recognition. And so, uh, for those of you not familiar move, if you've ever seen any of the uh, political talk about political prisoners, that's mm-hmm. your, your Pan-Africans. And uh, uh, everyone, everyone in MOVE has a last name Africa. And MOVE isn't an acronym of everything. It's just uh, what they call themselves, MOVE. <laughs> but, uh, you know... Um, as a student of black organization, you know, MOVE is just uh, a group that I've always really... I think they were called militants. They were definitely separatists. I don't know if they were militants. But... Um, they had a house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a house. It was a house that they fortified the house. Okay, uh, so you want to be safe. Obviously, they had a reason to. There were, there were bombs. <laughs> they were bombed by the police. That's why? Why did the police need a bomb? Huh? <laughs> why? Why would the police need a bomb? That's a whole different story. <laughs> you know, if you need an air force. You're not just the police at that point. <laughs> women and children. You know, I mean, they were children. Yeah. they yeah. came in guns blazing. You know, man. And so, um, today, uh, back in uh, back in the the sixties, eighty five actually. Eighty five. Uh, that happened. So we want to give a shout to, to all, all, the, all the moves. John Africa, uh, uh, he was the, the leader <laughs> of them and, and the ones who are, who are still in jail, who are still incarcerated around that um, yeah, move. Uh, so why do you think that not seen in the same way or do you think it could be seen in the same way as something like the more recent things we've seen like the Ammon Bundy one? Do you think that would be possible? Well, he, 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 they didn't. He, they didn't bomb uh, that. They, well, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, and, you know, it's because one was an armed group that was a declared militia. Yep. This is like the second or third thing that they've done where they, you know, gathered and resisted police action, federal yep. police action at that. Yeah. And the last. Well, was them actually seizing a public park, you know, a federal land. Yes, they did. And they didn't get bombed. <laughs> they did eventually escalate to a point where people did, you know, unfortunately die. But 
Francis Clef Wilson says, if you don't understand racism, what it is and how it functions, everything you think you understand only serves to confuse you. Hey, that's a, the first the first understanding. It, it, nothing's going to work the way you think it's supposed to work. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, and also, we want to also, so um, this week, in 1994, uh, Colin Powell uh, gives the commencement speech at Howard University. Uh, this is significant because this is the same week in which he just come back from Africa at the inauguration uh, for Nelson Mandela. Uh, Nelson Mandela became prime minister, the president of South Africa in 1994, that same week. Mm-hmm. And um, Howard University uh, being a, a scholastic, uh, I mean, uh, an institution of higher learning as it is, was under scrutiny uh, because uh, the prior month or a few weeks before, uh, the honor, <laughs> my, my hero, uh, Dr. Khalid Muhammad, had spoken. <laughs> and um, I think it was Tiny Chung called. Howard University, a racist institution, because they let him speak, and um, and of course, uh, you know, Colin Powell is what Colin Powell is. Um, he takes this really middle ground, uh, which which um, is not surprising, of course. He, he is Colin Powell, uh, and based on his career trajectory, he he, he spends uh, even. I'm not sure what happens if you, you had a chance to watch if you ever heard the commencement speech. Um, start thanking a bunch of white folks that helped him along the way, and they started the motion in the in the background. I'm not sure what that was about, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, the, 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 I'm not sure why he thought that was necessary. And um, well, I the, whole, the whole theme of his speech was more of a unity thing. It wasn't that would seem to be the aim. of it was more of a reconciliation. It was, it was he even took the time to, at specifically in HBCU to the sessions, to point out that we should work on increasing, you know, the civil rights struggle and expanding it to include more groups explicitly. But I mean, by the fact that the civil rights is not accusatory. But that's to say that if our, we're driving a shift. The problem yeah. with America isn't that blacks have been exclusive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Blacks brought the folks out. You know what I mean? Well, the problem with the uh, civil rights right movement is usually that it's driven and still controlled by the same, you know, there's usually a group of well-meaning and interested white groups that are helping black institutions in America. And sometimes those well-meaning so groups in this case group of blacks is graduating from college. Huh? So why say that to a bunch of black kids graduating college? Like they were Yeah, that you know, (laughs) it is what it is. But that's the problem that we see persisting all throughout the Ivy League. The idea that you even call it the Ivy League. I I asked you before, you know, why do you why do you have it's not Ivy League? It doesn't matter. Anytime you have black colleges that still have a quote unquote Greek system. You've got some internalized shit going on there, buddy. 
That's not the college. How the fuck do you have a Greek system? <laughs> Should you at least have a pharaoh system or something? Get your shit straight. Some traditions, uh, traditions kind of keep going. You know, um, but that means that there's no real self-examination. That's part of the problem. You say that something is unfair. You say that something is unfair. Stop emulating it. Stop it. <laughs> Just fucking. So you can't have it both ways. You're still training them to go out into the world with the same point of view. That but that's not. The, but that's not the university. The Greek system isn't the university. That's what the, the university Greek participates system. in it and perpetuates it. I wouldn't agree. I'm using that example because this is something that you can't have a system like that that's dependent on copying these other institutions and not and thinking like them and still call yourself just a black institution. That doesn't work that way. If you're still just copying them and putting a black face on it, that's how you end up with Kamala Harris. She's just chocolate Hillary. Well, which is again, so you know, in hindsight, you know, um, the importance of dissent the importance of dissent is uh-huh. good for Khalid so they did let Khalid speak right so would you think oh, they would still do that today uh, I, well there are no Khalids anymore so if, that's one don't dodge don't dodge if there was a kid out there today would they let him speak is there a black university who would have the background to let him speak um, I would, I would hope so. I don't know. You have to test it. I would hope so. I would hope so. Okay. Right? Because again, it wasn't the university that invited them. It's the students. And if the students are empowered as they are now, I think that does. Look it. at the fear that we have seen take hold in this country in the last three years alone. And you're telling me that someone like, whether you agreed with everything, please said or not, would he find a place to even be able to speak? Oh, well, I, okay. I put it like this. I know Farrakhan will be able to speak. I'm very confident Farrakhan will, will be able to speak. Now, mm-hmm. Farrakhan is not Khalid. <laughs> right? But, and um, even he is considered super controversial. Yeah, but I, I, so I, do, I do believe that he would be able to speak at a Howard University. They would invite him and welcome him as, as an elder statesman and, you know, for what he has done. Um, so, but Khalid was a point in time where we could push the envelope a, a lot more than we can now. And um, but again, we don't have a Khalid now. But um, it, 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 I, I, in my heart of hearts, hmm. I would think that the, the students would advocate for it. What students? Um, the same students or, or that same age group are being indoctrinated into the kind of mindset that prohibits that kind of outside of thought. Yeah, there, there's always there's always there's always some a group that mm-hmm. think nationalistically and sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. They're not it's, it's not it's not a uh, widespread but uh there there it has been especially on, on at the uh, HBCU, there's always been that group. Um uh in some way, shape or form, right? If you've ever listened to uh if you ever read um uh, Tennessee Coast, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he, he he doesn't talk about ever fudging or anything like that. But you know, his father was a black Panther, so he, he you know. Um, and uh, if you read uh, the uh, Between the World and Me, he he sounds like someone who would be inviting. Uh, if, if that thought still exists, he's a good example of a, a later version of it that would be inviting. 
of us to live. Again, I don't know. You know, um, I, this is me being optimistic. I don't know. Uh, if, it's if I was there, I'd be able to point out the Negroes who would be against it. But I don't know if people the Coast. I mean, right now, Tanahisi Coast is going to be working on. Has been working on Marvel Comics. He did a run on Black Panther. He did a run, huh? And I had this. <clears throat> I definitely don't think they would have let a character like Khalid do any writing for Marvel. No, 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 no. Khalid would. I was just saying, we're talking about Wood Day and Howard University. I'm not talking about any college now. I'm talking about at HBCU uh-huh. in, in 2021. Would a version of Khalid Muhammad be able to speak? Not give a convention to the graduation. Now that's 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 a little deep. But with the students coming to present, I think so because it's still educational. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a lot lower. I don't know if that's actually a lower bar or a higher bar because the commencement speech is just in the He wasn't giving the commencement speech then either, right? Or what he uh, uh, so Colin Powell is brought in at the commencement speech to you know yeah. to, to well, they gave him a doctorate and he got to do the speech for them after he received. Yeah. But Khalid was just there to speak because the students survived it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I believe at that time, um, uh, Zulu Shabazz might have still been a student. And Zulu Shabazz, you know, uh, attorney uh, in D.C. area, uh, student uh, of Howard, 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 Howard Law grad, um, and member of the nation. You know, uh, if you have a, all you need is one figure like that, and uh, a Khalid Muhammad would definitely be able to speak. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why he was able to speak back then. Because it wasn't like Khalid Muhammad wasn't known before that. Do you think we would have seen a different atmosphere or something different results given if you had a character or a figure like Khalid and the movement you saw with you know, George Floyd's murder and all this thing going on right uh, So... Now, I love Khalid, right? But um, Khalid is no Malcolm X. No. Um, Khalid is no Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. Um, Khalid, Khalid is not a, a, a he's not a unifying figure in that way, and he he he's not a he's not a unifying figure in that way. Uh, he's inspirational because it's, it's healthy to hear that because you don't hear any you might talk like that. Well, the but, thing, um, the reason he's I not organized in that matter. I asked about him in, the, in this context is, is because he isn't that kind of figure. He wouldn't have been the guy out there trying to lead a march this way, like Malcolm, but, or actually even giving a speech specifically about it like Malcolm, but he would, I think, have been out there making specific points. I mean, he, I mean, he did not organize, right? He did the, 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 the Million Family March here in New York City five years after the Million Man March in 95. So he did marches he just, he just uh, um, you know, the type of... I never remembered him being, like, in a... He never seemed to me, anyway, what I remember, be in the center of, like, mass movements like that. He, in 1998, he did the Million Youth March, which was three years after the Million Man March in New York City. So the Million Man March down in D.C., he did the Million Youth March outside of the nation. And he had about 6,000 participants. But, again... Um, but marches don't equate to... You know my view of marches. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. What, what, what Malcolm was doing, he was actually building temples all over the country. So he was he would stop down in the city, organize fundraising, a temple would go up. Right? He's building an institution. 
So, you know, that that mark is probably one of the best uh, examples of organizing that Khalid Muhammad did. So, therefore, I don't want to compare him to the, the mouthpiece. I mean, he shouldn't be compared to mouthpiece. He's, he's different. Everybody's right? their own person. And at, the, and at that point in time, he was a courageous speaker, though. Right? He was saying things that other folks would be scared. I mean, yeah, scared to say today. <laughs> right? Well, that's part of the reason why I asked, because there, for all of the movement that there was and all the marching that there was, there was no centralized message other than, you know, this is bad, this is wrong. You talking about then or now? Now. Yeah, yeah. Now, everyone's, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're at a sad point in time. As, as I was saying, when I was talking about uh, uh, Robert Small, you know, today's society couldn't develop that, could not produce that. Um, or, or actually, if, if to be more positive, it would be highly unlikely to produce that. Uh, of Robert Small, you know, um, uh, and, yeah, and that's sad, and, and that's why you, uh, you can't say that. But I don't think that's a product of the people. That's a product of the system that we've been battling with. I would say the environment that exists. Yeah, so that things were a lot freer before. Now things have gotten, even though they appear to be freer, they're a lot more controlled than they ever yeah. have been. I definitely do. That's why. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but they, uh, what I was saying is that, you know, it's important. The Colin Powell's are, are important as well. The Colin Powell's and the Khalid's are equally important in this. Well, there's no even if time. All you'd have is Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 That, that's what I come to the conclusion. It's not well, important that we agree in a, in a, yeah. agree in a democracy just that we have the opportunity to express our points. Mm-hmm. As long as we're able to express our points. And when that starts to happen, when that starts to be infringed upon, that's when we're really in trouble. No, then we are really in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not so much even the opinion. It's, it's the it's the um, oppressive nature and, and lack of uh, uh, ability to express the point of view. Um, well, the thing is, the point of views are tailored here. You know, you have a, an accepted range of opinions that are put out and that people keep the conversation with them. That's why we don't solve issues in the United States. We just talk about the same like, two or three topics. Listen, you dug at the same news stories over and over again in like a seasonal cycle, but the issues at the core of them never get addressed. So we have like a greatest hit of stupid shit that we're dealing with. Great hit, baby. <laughs> you know, it's a billboard top 40 of dumb shit. Yeah. So, uh, that, that allows us to segue. One second here. That allows us to segue into uh, and the, the data 
Uh, so he's from, I guess, the hill. Yeah. So oh, yeah. The, and uh, yeah. So the idea that um, the racial breakdown of some most of the Trump, yeah, um, the whole narrative of oh. him being, you know, this white nationalist hero is kind of falling apart, and it's not even an opinion piece. This is based on pure data. But I would say he was running against another white guy. So why does race even come into play when it's two white guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, oh, well, you know, the Party leans heavily on the white savior. That's number one. The what? Any time, the Democratic Party leaned heavy on the white savior. Let's not pretend that they did not try to paint Joe Biden as one, they leaned heavily on his association to Obama. Not based on policy or anything, just the fact that <laughs> of Obama. Remember that black guy? He was there in the background. Remember Joe? Yeah, that's him in the picture. Vote for him. And anytime you have any candidate that is comfortable enough to get on TV and, and straight up tell people, you ain't black unless you vote for me. Go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> I, I okay. And that was the tip of the disrespect iceberg. And people were expected to forget that just because orange man bad. No. Yeah, yeah. They played him I didn't forget any of that shit. I heard all of it. So what do you think this means? Uh, I mean, I mean cause that's, that's the thing I'm saying, right? Um, again, it is two white guys going against each other. What does this mean for politics moving forward? Uh, or, or how do you think this is going to impact uh, the next presidential election? Uh, you know, do you think this attitude is temporary? Because there's no Trump anymore, right? There's no galvanizing factor. So there's no Trump you, anymore. But Trump was Trump. We obviously needed a galvan. We need another galvanizing factor. That's one of the things that proves to me. Because if that's the case, then they're already going to have them doing it, recycling the same stupid talking points. Is Biden going to be able to get away with doing literally nothing at that at this rate? He doesn't have to fight for 15 bucks. He doesn't have to fight for a, a, a universal health care. All he literally has to do again is be like, hey, you know, I didn't get a million people killed from a, you know, a pandemic. Vote for me again. If he's still a freaking lie, if not, then Kamala gets to run on his ghost of a <laughs> So we've already passed the point of low expectations. You know when they think like scraping the bottom of the barrel? We're in the dirt underneath where the barrel was. We've gone clean no. through that bottom layer of wood. I was listening to WNYC, and people were comparing him to FDR. I'm not, I'm not sure. Right. Exactly. I'm not, again, I don't pretend to understand. I, I'm not sure if you heard the same things I heard. I have, but I've been trying to, for my own <laughs> mental health, I've been trying to stay away from national level politics. I've said this for, you know, a couple of months now. It's not healthy. It's not conducive to anything because you pour your energy into something that is meant to just be a, a cycle. National level politics, the party, the institutions behind it, they're not there to fix anything. They're not there to solve anything. They're there to pass around hatred and anger and division because that'll keep you interested and tied in like a bad soap opera. 
if you're going to invest your energy in anything, do it on a local level. Fix that street light. You know, harangue that representative until you actually get something in your school. Join the PTA. Do something where you'll actually be able to have cumulative effects and add real pressure. Well, you, you know, there's a thing called male control. PTA don't really have any power. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Control. Do the mayoral control. Mayor, the mayor has absolute control over the Board of Education. Uh, he's the one who selects the principals. The PTA doesn't really have, or the parents association, don't have no power. So great, then get involved on a local level and add, make a real coalition, add that pressure to your mayor. But putting any kind of effort into the national parties and the federal level, if you don't have that organizational power on a smaller, uh, more granular level, you're wasting your time. Absolutely. Yeah, That's absolutely. one of the lessons we should have, as the left, should have taken from the Tea Party. All politics local. You know, I still say the Tea Party was way more effective in getting their agenda passed and remained so because they were able to actually take, they were able to affect a policy on the state level before they went to the federal The left seems fixated on these stupid token prizes. Yay, we got a Secretary of State. Yay, we got a Secretary of Defense. Yay, we got a President. But if you're not changing, if none of these people in those positions are actually changing policy, then you haven't won anything. Republicans don't, they stay quiet, they don't give a shit, they'll wait to get one knucklehead president like Bush in there, but then he starts a 20-year war. And then you have some stupid step in second like Obama come and clean up his image. So who's really won? You haven't won anything. The Republicans have not only managed to decide to represent that level of power, has managed to not only get their agenda passed, but he cleaned up their image for them. The unit party has you lit. Stop it. Praising to the choir. Um, well, that's why... It's, I mean, I mean, it's, without the yeah. Trump and the, the change of demographics also to me symbolizes that people are just not just tired, but they're looking for something else. They're desperate for something else. The largest voting block out there is non-voter, and nobody touches it. Yeah, most people we don't vote. vote. The system is actually built to handle if everyone showed up to the polls and vote. The system, we're not, we're not actually, the infrastructure isn't there to support that. Not just not there, it's discouraged from being, from, from working at a level that could accommodate. Okay, for all the hoopla made about the Trump supporters and the Stop the Steal movement, the one thing they didn't pay attention to was the amount of Democratic districts and Republican districts, so people were waiting online for hours. A lot of those Southern districts where Joe Biden did so well, look at how many voting uh, polls were actually open in those states and how long those lines were. Yeah. Um, Republicans aren't the only ones who, you know, deny people their ability to vote. They may not do it through voter ID check. They just do it through idiocy online. And oh, by the way, while you're out there for eight hours, none of those groups are allowed to even give you one. They do scrub the poll list, the voter list. Oh, I know. I've been scrubbed a couple of times. I know. That's in a Democratic county. You know, there's a full range of stupid, dirty tricks that both sides employ to get the same result. 
both part, both of the major parties don't want large groups of people to vote. They would rather select the people who vote. Because the more people who vote, then you have an actual plurality of ideas, and then you can actually see what the public wants. Yeah. Uh, I was having a... Well, on a topic, off topic. I was having a discussion with these young, these young brothers uh, uh, a few, uh, like last week. And, um, and we got to talking about the Civil Rights Act. Okay. And I, I found it interesting. I, was, I, I looked up something about the 15th Amendment. Right. And the 15th Amendment gave uh, black men the right to vote mm-hmm. in 1870, which is why you had Reconstruct. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how those uh, guys like Robert Small got elected. So uh, yeah. black men had the right to vote. And I found it interesting that 100 years later, now you need this voting rights act <laughs> to allow you to vote. And I was like, no, I do need a law to make sure that people pay attention to a law. And then, what's that? The law, a law is A law is only as strong as a society's ability to enforce it. Enforce it. So now, but where's the trust come? So where's the trust supposed to come from? The trust comes. The trust comes yeah. from the exercise of power. The society is supposed to trust us. We're supposed to trust that power will be used just but if you, by those if who put it law, and they're supposed to do that under. The threat of not just force, but of being removed by the public. Well, well, you can't remove them if you can't vote. Right? Yes, you can. That's what the Second Amendment is. I got you. Touche. 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 I mean, that's literally what it's in there for. No hemming, no hawing about it. Yes, I'm a lefty, but I'm a realistic lefty. That's what the shit is in there for. So, what comes, so what what I find. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, is that the effect of all of this, you know, you have a, uh, you have the voting rights that you got, you're given the right to vote. Yeah. It's taken away. Um, you know, there's institutions met for your benefit. Treatment zero. It's failed. Uh, there's massive corruption. You lose everything. Hmm. Um, I would say, in black communities that there become a kind of uh, especially like middle class type, working class type black communities, there is a kind of acquiescence to corruption. In other words, they know the system's not supposed to work and when it doesn't work fairly, they don't expect it to work fairly. So therefore, hustle as much as you can and get what you can get because it ain't supposed to be fair no way, no how. You remember the OJ Simpson verdict? And that's very damaging. Do you remember the huh? OJ Simpson verdict? Yeah. Do you remember people's reaction to it? Of course. I think that's a perfect example of what they're talking about. And it was, a, in a way, it was a more visceral example. The kind of mentality you're talking about, where you act like Claire Huxtable and you know Doctor Huxtable, and you live in this nice neighborhood and you act like shit don't bother you, but when the OJ verdict comes down. In a situation like that, you know, your highfalutin white neighbors are like, can you believe this happened? That same, you know, Huxtable couple goes, yeah, duh. And then now everybody's confused. It's like, how could they believe that? 
Well, they've always believed that, but you've never actually confronted it. You've never actually talked about it. Those people you thought, you know, you knew, well, you don't know them because they're playing a role to get by. It's the modern version of trying to pass, but it's not based just on color. Now it's based on the right thing and social attitude. Acceptable Negro. <laughs> You're the acceptable Negro. You have the right mindset. So now, mindset. where does that put us when we're trying to fight for things like justice? When, uh-huh. we're, trying to, when we're trying to make the system fair? I mean, that sounds like it would crush the civil rights from the inside out. Right? So part That's of what rights. happened. That's why we don't have a major civil rights movement. That's how you can have a non-war, anti-war movement. I mean, that's how most of this crap goes down. The people back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just acquiescence. I mean, what's the major civil rights organization in the country right now? The NAACP? What's the most radical shit that they've tried to do recently? Well, no. The NAACP is not the radical but you also have the National Action Network. I was talking to Glenn. And what's the most radical shit he's done recently? Well, we, uh, he got so He got so I mean, but he, you know, we, you know, we can't expect him to do everything. Um, I don't expect him to do everything. I expect somebody to do something. If you have a national organization with that kind of clout, do something with the clout. Other than have a breakfast meet with something like... Well, they, didn't he do a march that's down on the, these That's the last fucking thing, thing I remember Al Sharpton doing, actually. Using his, no, using his show on uh, MSNBC to hold some stupid breakfast with Pete Buttigieg during before he stole his vote with that damn now, ass. Now he did a march in MSNBC right before the inauguration. On what? To do what? Again, I don't marching <laughs> to do what? At least the military know. women are marching. We're putting on a fucking parade, and we're doing it in step. I'm you know, so sick of black folks marching to nowhere. And actually, no, we don't even uh, have a good picnic when we get to where we're fucking going. Just stop it. And no, and that's why you know uh, you gotta appreciate Farrakhan. And, and you know, happy birthday again, honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, you know, when he does the millionaire march, right? There, there does seem to be a, a greater sense of purpose. I don't think anybody in this country can do it. I mean, no, black no, 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 you've heard me say this in meetings before, Oz, I'm going to say it again. I do not want to see us do another march unless everybody who attends that march ends up on a mailing list and organized afterwards to actually do something. And they did, and they are. They do did. not show up at that march unless they you are. are willing to be, what? They, they are. What? It's called, it's called, they call them LOCs, local organizing committees, the same committees that, all, that, that, Met to organize a bus to go down there. They did stay in touch, but here in New York, um, Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad died of COVID, and so um, we lost him. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure who's in charge now uh, in, in, in New York, but uh, you know, uh, but no, there were things that happened. A lot of things did come out of the, the first one, especially back in '95, and even the, the second one. There was people trying to do things. Uh, and it was very decentralized, right? Uh, so part of it is also like you, because you're when you're dealing with folks in the nation, they can't; they're restricted, right? So you really can't do a whole lot of with folks in the nation outside of anything that's sanctioned by Farrakhan. I mean, that's the way it is. Again, what are um, our goals? 
because the nation of Islam has its the own goal, The goals are centralized. The, goal, the goals were determined by the individual group, determined their own goals. Right? The goals aren't centralized. And they the can't goals be. Are not, huh? The goals are centralized, so you need to have at least a director of the police. These people over here may want to do a fundraiser, but you got to be working on something. As, as, but it's a, it's a decentralized. You, you work on what you're working on, and the other folks work on what they're working on. Mm-hmm. It's decentralized. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't, yeah again, uh, the, the, the nation is interesting because, yeah, it, it, it can do things like that more effectively than most organizations in this country, uh, any organization in this country, uh, black organizations. Any march or gathering However, is only effective as a show of support for humanity. It is yeah. doesn't serve any purpose outside of that. And that no, is well, the only thing that we have been effective at doing for like 40 years. But think about this. Barack Obama could not do it. Yes, he could. No, he couldn't. If he wanted to. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Why not? Because he doesn't inspire anybody. He doesn't inspire anybody. He had a good juice going. He still has organizing power. He, no, he doesn't. Fortunately, he still he's has sold out. He sold out his organizing power. Once he sold yeah. he, he, One he said, uh, so he said, so it means he can't do it no more. So, so the thing, the beautiful, the thing about Farrakhan is he has not sold. No one believes Farrakhan has sold out. They, he's still inspirational. And that's why he can still do it. Nobody else can do that. Al Sharpton can't do it because no one trusts him. Everybody thinks he's, he's, he got paid, what, $25,000 to do that funeral for George Floyd? To pray at a funeral? I think he made $25,000. No one trusts him. <laughs> you hear me? No one trusts these guys. Which is why you gotta, which is why, you know, um, and the, the nation is interesting, as I was saying, because there's a lot of supporters because people trust them, but they just can't follow the, the, the hardline dictate, which is why they're not members, right? You know what I mean? They, they're not members, but they are supporters. And so they do create a very unique space here. And that's not an easy task, because not anybody can do that. I mean, Marcus Garvey could have done it back in the day, but you know, we're about 100 years removed from that. Okay, but let's say I only got 10 members, then, you know, 10 people willing to put on the uniform. But a large base of public support. That still doesn't do me. I'm not giving them anything to work on. I'm not. I don't believe that you necessarily have to give people orders. Um, you know what I mean? Again, that's what I said. You got to be autonomous. People do. You, know, you got to let people do what they want to do. You know, you can't necessarily always drive the folks. And that's why I believe in decentralization. You know, this group does that, that group does this, this group does that. And um, even if they come into conflict at some point in time, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right? Because it's how does anyone ever get anything accomplished? How, how, you, gotta, how do you actually have progress? It's called persistence. And so that's what we, that's the thing. So if you have what? Persistence at what? Whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you've got to be persistent at it. And so it, it's, it's not, an, it's not so much. Sisyphus isn't a victory. Well, he got in that position. He, he got in that position because he had a goal. So at least, at the very least, if you're stuck pushing a boulder for eternity, pick a goal. Right now, we don't even have that. 
again, everybody determines their own goal. Decentralization. You know what I mean? That's like saying we, you and I have to agree. If we don't agree, then uh, nothing happens. Nothing can happen. You're going to work on what you're working on. I got to work on what I'm working on. You're going to find your believers, and I'm going to find my believers. And then that's how we get it going. It's not necessary that we all have to be on the same boat. And, and, and through the struggles against, right? right? And so uh, through, like, uh, your opinion and that uh, XYZ's opinion, and these opinions clashing, they become stronger. If they're persistent, they got to be dedicated. They can't think, oh, they, 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 they did it for six months and now I'll quit. No, nah, these are lifelong. I mean, the people we're talking about, even your Farrakhan's and your, 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 your Garvey's, your Elijah Muhammad, your, 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 your Martin Luther King's, they dedicate their life. They didn't say, oh, I did it for six months, I did it for five years, I did it for 10 years, and I need a break. No. They dedicate their life to the end. They didn't dedicate Martin Luther King didn't dedicate his life to being Martin Luther King. No. But, so that's, that's my point. But that's what I'm saying. But we're not telling you. You didn't have to tell. Marcus, Martin Luther King doesn't have to be on the same page as Malcolm X or as James Baldwin. They're all doing no. their own different thing. A. Philip Randolph is doing his thing. Matt Gavis is doing his thing. You don't have to be on the same page. And at some no, time, no, 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 no. They were all doing the same thing in different ways. I disagree with you vehemently in how you're phrasing this. They didn't even agree with each other. So what? That doesn't matter. They were thing? all working on the same thing. James Baldwin, if you, if you went and listened to James Baldwin, there was you could listen to him and have no mistake after listening to him and Malcolm that they still wanted the same thing. They were going about it in different ways. They both wanted respect yeah. and liberation. There were points in time where they, the, the, the kings and the exes were in direct conflict. They did not see eye to eye. So Even though they're they working on the, the same end result, the boys and Booker T wanted the same thing. They did not agree. Yeah, <laughs> they did not that's why I said last week that they were very that he was contentious. But I mean, but, but that's I mean, but that's what my point. Is. What I'm saying here now is that might be a good thing. You do your thing. I do mine. If, if, if the history books will still see it as we're going in the same direction, right? That, that, that's how it's going to be written in history if we're both consistent enough, consistent enough. But um, worried about who is not on you, who's, who's not with you, or who's even against you is a waste of time. It's not with or against, it's an end. If you're working to an end, then the people who will be with or against you will sort themselves out. You won't. That's not what something you will have to actively do. So that's why you have to have at least a target. Because if you don't have a target that you're aiming at, then you can have tons of people working on tons of different shit, but you're not going to do anything. None of us will do anything without at least a temporary target. You got to have goals. You got to have metrics to measure at least some success. So, so if, uh, not, if, if you don't, Every time we do have one of those meetings with one of these potential elected figures or an elected figure, that's how they get away with coming to us with, oh, I got you another precinct. Well, that wasn't one of the metrics of success. So why well, would I vote for you? They give you a metric of success for your administration, for your time in office. 
And then when you come back to my community and you haven't met one of these points, then you don't have an argument. You can't come to me with one of your talking points because that wasn't on the checklist. So, so, so we talk about you talk about the police. Are there folks? I'm using that just as an example. It could be anything. It could be whatever. No, no, I'm using example too. I'm using example too. Are there folks who are happy that the police is there? Sure. That's okay. That's it. I mean, I don't agree with it. But they're they not the morality of those people that you're going to meet. With. And that's why there has to be at least some kind of consensus, some kind of metric to measure success by when these people in these communities are meeting, when these people in these communities and these different groups are setting an agenda for whatever they're going to work on. It can't just be we're happy to meet anymore. It can't just be that we're happy to be together anymore. Because otherwise, they're just happy to meet with us and be together with us, and they go right back into their clubs and go right back into their offices and have their aides carry on business as usual and schedule yet another pointless meeting with them. Yeah, I, I'm not keep going. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at the electors in that way. I don't even have those kind of expectations. If someone told me who, who your city councilman is, I told you I don't have any. You told me you asked me who my congressman. I don't have one. Right? Um, uh, we, we mentioned in the past in the show. I talked about the importance of Charles Davis Jr. Right? When uh, he's a representative from Detroit, but when uh. Uh, from Detroit, but when uh, when Emmett Till was killed, he found his way down to Mississippi, right? <laughs> and and then the judge said, uh, uh, "This nigga says he's a congressman." And the judge said, "A nigga congressman in Mississippi, impossible." Tell this nigga to go with that nigga and sit over there with the rest of the niggas. I mean, but he felt he was a representative for all. That doesn't exist anymore. So you know, uh, if if I, I my point is. If I lived in that um, my point in time, I would claim Charles Diggs is my, my representative, even though he's technically representing Detroit, because that's his sensibility. Uh, these guys we have now, I have very little expectations of them. Uh, maybe that might be bad on my part. Uh, but uh, then, uh, then, we, then we obviously need different representation. You don't need absolutely yeah. expectations. Obviously, yes, we do. I mean, we do need different representation. That's that, that, without a doubt. But um, I don't lower get to, we should we should not lower expectations. Your expectation, your level. My, I lower my expectations for what's there now. <laughs> I lower my expectations for what's there now. Um, no, that that's why they're allowed to stay because everybody lowers their expectations. No, no, no. But they, 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 the, the, this the, relates directly to what we covered earlier. But the persistence is getting rid of them. That that. Getting rid of them is the one of the objectives, but that's not. You have to understand that that's not something I can snap my fingers and do, or no, you can snap your fingers and do. Getting rid of them is absolute. But uh, as far as oh, he said, oh, he did this or he did that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my head over it. You know what I mean? My because no, I got bad behaviors and expect their bad behavior is a result of what they do. But just without an active plan and saying oh. They are a bad representative. X is a bad representative. That's that's like the first ten minutes of a meeting. The first meeting. Everything from that point on should be okay. How do we get rid of them? It should be an effective step by step. What is the plan to make it so that their time in office is untenable? And now, and who who would you tell this to? Who are you, who are you talking to? If you say this. Whichever group is meeting, that this needs to be their internal thing. I don't care if you're working on. I don't you care if you're working on. I don't care what you're going to do. Huh? 
You know they're going to run back and tell them. Whoever you're in the meeting with, there's going to be someone in that room who's going to run back and tell Mr. Zach what you said. He's going to tell you exactly what you're going to do. So Meeks is going to be expecting. So then, then you can't have meetings. <laughs> so, so therefore, the process, uh, I referenced uh, Irritated Genie with this. Dr. Jack Gerard is Irritated Genie. Uh, his his, uh, his uh, book about the Asian Revolution. The objective isn't to build a bigger, bigger group. It's to weed out all your all your weak ones, and you only you boil it down only to your, your most basic, strongest soldiers. That's and then fine, you can, but I don't care if you got a bunch of terminators. If you just got them sitting in the warehouse not doing anything, then you still accomplish nothing. And that's the point where we're at. They have their, they have their people in place. Their agenda is running along fine. We're still stuck in the planning phase for forever. And that's what has to stop. There is no fear on the other side. They have zero to fear. There is no initiative. There is no effort that I see designed to actually weaken them in the eyes of those that, that count. And that's just oh, a no, no, but, but there is. Why you right. can't have a national figure stand up and say you're not black if you don't vote for me, even though they have proven, without a doubt, by their voting record, that they have done nothing for the black community. Racism is a system of oppression. In order to overcome that system of oppression, you have to create Racism own. didn't even bother to disguise his record. Racism didn't keep people from disrespecting But it's, it's, it's my point. It's a system of oppression. Meaning, being a system means you can't escape it. I didn't say escape so, anything. I said confront. That's what I'm asking. No, I'm, and I'm saying replace. You can't do one without the other. Yes, you can. If you don't, uh, in other words, I don't need to if, if I go to a restaurant and I get bad service, I don't got to tell you, oh, you give me bad service. I can walk out the door and start my own restaurant down the block. I don't have to talk to you ever. <laughs> you, you, I don't have to confront you to build my own. If I was building my own nation, I don't got to build you. I am not talking about building some fantasy nation. I'm not going to go get an oil rig and try and start my own passport. I'm talking about realistic legislative change. Okay, you're not going to do, you have to do that by building coalitions and building institutions of our own on a local level. And those institutions have to be aimed, and those organizations have to be aimed at direct challenges. Whether they be electoral challenges, or they just be organizational institutions set up to provide services to provide challenges. Whether those, those fake elected officials okay, no longer have those as tools to use to squeeze the vote. I got it. We're, we're looking at challenge. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of challenge. The challenges in two different ways, right? Um, I say when you develop your own, you are challenging because you're yes. creating an alternative. Yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be actual confrontation with words. That is a confrontation. It's sure. I think any other means. And you know what? Being afraid to phrase it as a confrontation is part of the problem. Well, you don't want your opponent to know what you're doing. Just what? They already know because they're your opponent. No, they they're don't. They're already savvy. Yes, they do. You don't think for every time Greg Meeks walks into there and lies, he knows he's lying? Yes, that motherfucker no, knows he's lying. No, no, you don't want him to know what you're doing. He already knows. He doesn't know, he doesn't know what he's doing. You don't I want him to know what he's doing. I guarantee 
if you play chess, you're playing very If you're playing chess and your opponent knows your moves, you're going to lose that game. If you're playing chess, your opponent knows your moves, you're going to lose. You can't let your opponent know what you're thinking. With that, <laughs> uh, we at the top. I mean, uh, that hour went by quick. <laughs> Brother Rob, you have any closing statements for the brothers and sisters and Africans and African Net Force? Let's work on the second planet. <laughs> Let's work on the no more planet. Quality for a race, you know, uh, any organization better than no organization. But I'm going to close with uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan at the birthday. Uh, there really can be no peace without justice. There can be no justice without truth. And there can be no truth unless someone rises up to tell you the truth. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, Africans and Africanettes and Africanization, this is On The Wake Up Radio. This is The Appeal, a.k.a. Walker's Appeal. I'm Miles Bryant, my co-host. Rob, very I can see why they call me up. <laughs> <laughs> and our uh, producer, engineer, sister Cindy Ashley, uh, making our, make all of yes turn. Till next time. TWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Cindy Ashley Production. Ashley Production. Ashley Production. On the wake up.